Oh, yeah. The Canelo train has left the station. And here comes the ITC in this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Boxeo edition. Yes, as we fill the chamber for our Second Amendment rights of Load Watch 2018 and provide the mess with another Meldonium Lace Dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, the voice that you hear. Back to remind you exactly which boxing show titled In This Corner is in fact the best one. Yeah, you know I'm the best. And you can't have a show this good without a co-host who simply knows what the heck he's talking about. Speaking of shot callers, brawlers, I want to welcome in Big Red to chop it up with me and look back at an absolutely loaded weekend in Boxeo that we previewed last week. We got a lot to break down. So here's an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV star, and yes, protector of all things cruiserweight. I love it when we're cruising together. All right, Rafe Bartholomew from the West Coast. No fooling around today. We get right into it. How the heck is it? Real good, Brian. Real good. Got a nice sunny day out here. Ready to do this. Ready to get, bring in all of my Moro Ronaldo volume. It's going to be verbose today. I'm going all in, Brian. It's going to be a symphony. Wow. So, like, if I asked you if you were ready. I was born ready. <laughs> born ready. I'm ready for the All right. Hey, Jim Gray, speaking of Jim Let Gray. Let me man. first say this, Brian. Yes. There is a new In This Corner podcast. <laughs> and it is this In This Corner. It is the first In This Corner podcast. Let me say first something. <laughs> oh, good, good Lord. Hey, it was, uh... It was Jeff Horn weekend. Uh, it was, uh, wow, what, you know, Saturday? Let me tell it like this. And now also, it's not just a load of boxing. We had UFC 225 and CM Punk and all that ridiculousness going on. You don't care about pro wrestling, but that morning, there was the most epic match, arguably, in the history of pro wrestling from Japan. Saturday for combat sports was absolutely insane, Rafe, but I know you only care about the sweet science of it. Did you catch them feels like I did Saturday night? Because from like 4 o'clock when I turned on the Tyson Fury Facebook stream all the way through like 1 a.m., I was riding high. I was I was maybe uh, a little E-Retch. I was pitching a 10. I was fired up. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. Were you feeling any of that? I, I actually, Brian, I was, I, I was a little worried that I might, as they say, um, shoot. Shoot it a little bit oh, before I got on. to the end of the night's fights, you no, know? I mean, and Floyd, you know on. what Floyd does. Let him shoot his low, and then down the stretch, do what we do best. When did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he had shot his load and you could come at him? When he shot, he started shooting. I just, I love the, the, the turn in Sal Pal's voice there. He's like, when he, uh, all right, uh, when he shot, you know, when he, uh, 
When he, wow, wow. We're already, already. Let's just end the show. Let's just turn the, take the train and just flip it over, Rafe. All right. It's over. It's over. Wow. Uh, the only way to sort of reset this show is maybe to try to do what, what I like to do most mornings, just to get myself ready, just kind of wake up. Like, you know, Tony Robbins says, you know, the Tony Robbins, that dude. Do you know? Well, I, I, I actually prefer to get my motivation from Australian trainer Glenn Russian, who is not just Tony Robbins, but a combination of Chuck Norris and yes, Tony Robbins. Yes. Well, Tony Robinson, Tony Robbins has this like 47 foot dive pool in his backyard where it's just a 47 foot hole in the ground that's the size of one person and he wakes up in the morning and he just he just falls into this pool and it's set to like 30 degree water and then jumps out and he's like ripe and ready for the day. He doesn't need caffeine. He just supercharges his body. It's like some it's like like that really awkward HBO 24/7 where Bernard Hopkins went to the doctor, remember ahead of the Kovalev fight and he bent over and that weird doctor had that like look as he stuck his fist from up up from behind. Uh it's it's kind of that feeling, Rafe, but instead of doing that weird Tony Robbins thing with a 47-foot pool, this is what I do to just get more ready. Early, early, Rafe, early. All right, we'll get that out of the way. So, uh, whew. yeah, so the whole point of the show is to tell you Saturday was really fun, you know? I agree. All right, we're good. Let's let's wrap it up. Wow, wow. Whew, what a start. Rafe, before we get into the weekend that was and, and a, lot of, a lot of branches on that tree to see where we're going here because we had so many top fighters and top fights going on, we kind of bricked last week on getting people pre- prepared that it wasn't just Saturday night, right? It wasn't just that PBC card of sloppy heavyweights on Sunday. Sunday was the 2018 class of the International Boxeo Hall of Fame in Canastota, New York. Did you catch any clips online? Did you care about this at all? Or did you kind of miss it as well? I, I missed it. It's too bad. I, I felt guilty that I missed it. You know, it's usually when they do that, they have a fight up there. I guess they may have had something Friday night, but they, there's usually some mid-level HBO or Showtime card on the we Saturday night. We had Diego night. De La Hoya tape delayed from Verona. Come on, come on. Yeah, that's why I didn't see any of this stuff. I didn't realize until I started seeing these outrageous photographs of uh, of – Kelly Pavlik and Jarrett Hurd standing next to each other, and somehow Jarrett Hurd, a guy who fights at 154 pounds, towering over and also outgirthing Kelly Pavlik, who's been retired for how many years? That is a weird situation. It's, but yeah, that's when I, that's when it got on my radar that this was induction weekend. And it's sad because it was exciting. It was a pretty good class. I mean, I am boycotting, uh, the, you know, the snubbing, the absolute robbery that the one and only great Sat Chitlada was not wow. in there. I mean, that that is just a travesty. But I still wanted to celebrate Morales going in, Vitali Klitschko, Winky Wright. I mean, you know, it's good, not bad. You think after Canelo eats steak, he goes right to the restroom for a Sat Chitlada or 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 what? Or is that <laughs> does that that was just that's I don't know. I don't really know how to how to bounce back from that. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah, you know Triple G likes meat a lot, right? <laughs> I mean, I think he, you gotta go for the turd sack, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta go for it, but, uh, uh, yeah. I eat steak every day. <laughs> Seriously, I meat like meat. I'm not big, you know, just, I'm a small guy, just. <laughs> I need energy. <laughs> All steaks. <laughs> you know, this is not, you know, I like beef. Carne asada, carne asada. Carne asada, everything. No, guys, thank you. Yeah, he likes beef. All right. Um, 
yeah, that's not a low blow. It's a blow blow. Let's uh, let's move on with the show here, Rafe. And I will tell you that did you see the maybe the biggest story that came out of the Boxing Hall of Fame this weekend was at the dinner when Don King walked by Mike Tyson and put his hand on his shoulder and tried to rub it. And Tyson turned, took the cup and threw water at him. Did you see that? No, no, right. no. Right. But uh, that is that's pretty cool. Good for Mike. Well, Stand look, up, you know. It looked to be that he was fooling around, but I watched an interview afterwards that uh, Jerry Cooney did with him, and Tyson was serious. He was like, yeah, I kind of, like, freaked out in the moment, and Jerry was like, don't worry, Mike. It's okay. Like, he, he robbed from all of us. He robbed all of our money, and Mike was, you know, he didn't call him reptilian again, but he did basically be like, that guy's a piece of human trash, so there's that. You know, I mean, we, we like Mike Tyson on the show, you know? Mike Tyson, baby. Mike Tyson. Hey, let's go. Let's go, baby. Hey, let's go. Uh, Rafe, so this class, pretty good class. I just want to kind of break down the biggest names that went in. It started with Vitaly Klitschko, the former heavyweight champion. There was a lot of real kind of nerdy little uh, videos going around with Vlad up there. You know, I saw on uh, Bernie Barmazel, the great publicist to the Stars Facebook page, standing between both Klitschko brothers looking like a prime Dan Rayfield. Did uh, you you want to uh, share any thoughts on Vitaly going in? Well, he deserves it. I'm happy to see him. I wonder if there is any USB involved in in the oh, induction, but uh, don't you know he deserves it. Just first of all, don't ask about that USB. But that's an interesting debate because Vladimir historically, out of longevity, has gone on to have the more, I guess you could say, historically relevant career than his brother. But are you still on my side of the fence where I say not only would Vitaly have sent Vladimir to hell if they didn't make that uh, pledge to their mom, but Without injury and in a better era, Vitaly could have still been an all-timer. I think that 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 makes sense. Yes, we don't really know. I mean, maybe may, maybe the Emmanuel Stewart version of Vladimir fights sort of you know conservatively enough to 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 beat his brother, but who the heck knows? It never happened, and it you know really you're gonna you're gonna fall on the Vlad side there as the uh, really you're gonna kind of like lean back like he's a like all right all right. I mean, uh, let that man be mayor. I don't know, dude. Vitaly was tough. Like his only losses were the shoulder injury to Chris Bird, which we found out later that like his shoulder was about to fall off. Like, and then the amazing brawl with Lennox Lewis, where he yeah, and and he took uppercuts from Lennox Lewis that would have put Vladimir in you know the, the ninth ring of hell. But you give Vitaly credit; he had to retire early and then came back and still was able to win a title and win some fights. But that was really when the division, unfortunately, was dead. I mean, if you had some of the names now, when you had like thirty-seven-year-old Vitaly coming back, you could have made some fun fights. Like, it's a shame, Rafe. It really is a shame that when the Klitschkos did rise, everybody else left, and there was really no, neither guy except for. Vitaly versus Lennox had a breakthrough career defining fight like that's the problem with Vlad's legacy when it goes in when he goes in you're gonna be like well remember that time he held Povetkin for 12 rounds like and knocked him down six times like no one's gonna care right probably not I mean some people really think the win over Alex Leopi says a lot that was a statement oh, to some wow. people but I don't know if I'm willing to join that crew like I know people love the Vlad knockout of uh of uh Pulev Pulev because he used the left hand but like really Vlad's most defining fight is a fight he lost and to be honest with you Vitaly's most defining fight is a fight he lost so uh 
All right. So you you're go. saying they're not Hall of Famers, Brian. Okay, no, all right. No. Well, um, I don't know. You are not much of a Padawan learner. That's all I have yeah, to say. there you go with that. You uh, are going straight Anakin on your guy. Uh, Winky Wright also got in, and I was really happy to see that because that was a guy for a few years. I know Rayfield was always like, no, he's getting in no matter what, but I did sort of question because I know he had great talent, but you have to ask yourself, was that a Hall of Fame talent that we saw? Yes, two victories over Shane Mosley, dominated a uh, – Tito Trinidad on the best hair night of his career, you know, had some really good wins, but I don't know if I, while I was watching him, that the career screamed Hall of Fame, but in hindsight, I'm happy that he got in. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. He, the, the talent, the, the ability that he was just, I, I, is one of these fighters I just always liked watching. He's really great craft. He wasn't always obviously the most exciting guy, but gee, I don't know. Even, even the kind of ugly, fight with bernard hopkins the, that was a draw right that one it was i was into no, that no, i was into that chess hopkins. match he lost to hopkins the, your, the draw is jermaine taylor which i think is that, one of the okay. sneaky good fights of that decade like we thought it was going to be a bad fight jermaine made him brawl jermaine brought the he brought the lion right if, he, if he's not a lion i'm a dog him he brought the lion out of winky right I, I mean that's the fight i'm thinking of and uh that was the one that i liked that's deep analysis right there. I like that. Um, but you remember, um, did you play EA Sports Fight Night right around no. like 05 when Bernard Hopkins was on the cover? My last system was uh, a Sega Genesis, and my, my career tapped out with NBA Live 95. I was nice with the Golden State Warriors, though. Spree and rookie Chris Weber uh, in that game. So NBA, I could wait, run it up on you. Ricky Live? Pierce would come off the bench. I could get 18 points in one minute with Ricky Pierce just by pushing guys to take the ball and shooting threes. Oh, dude, Live 95 was a hell of a game. So I'm looking at it now. The cover <laughs> was from the 94 final. So the cover is Robert Ory of the Rockets trying to block John Stark's layup. That game was solid. I had that on Sega as well. And if I recall, the Supersonics were, were the team in that one. They were the... Yeah. They were, the, they were, I mean, they were coming off that first round upset against M- Mutombo when he held the ball in the center of the lane. Like, come on, these are memories, right? Iconic. You know what I used to hate about that game, though? When people didn't play the video, I know it's a video game, right? I know it's, I know it's not like a simulation of real life, but NBA Live wasn't NBA Jam. NBA Jam was ridiculous, right? It was almost like arch rivals where you can like knock people out as you're like playing ball. But to me, there was like a sacred church of when you're playing NBA Live, you're trying to recreate real NBA. But I always played with dirtbags who would like turn the uh, the level on easy and then throw full court passes and shoot threes all game. And I'm like, that's not real basketball. They take their center and bring up the ball. I know nowadays centers can bring up the ball, but back then that was a very you know separation of church and state. Uh, when I play NBA games, I want to play like I'm like I'm replaying the '87 Finals. Do your thoughts? No, nothing. Oh, I think that's nice, but in 1995, their technology wasn't there for that. I, all I, my main memory of that was there was a button, there was a steel button, basically meant you just push the other guy down and take the ball from him, and I'd just do that all game and, and knock down threes. It was easy. All right, NBA Live 95 to close, I think was the first one that had the half-court practice mode where you can play two-on-two and three-on-three. That was game-changing. That, you know, that was during the era of hoop it up, right? I'm sure you formed a team back then, right? Well, you know, I was playing like meaningful tournaments, citywide, AA, oh, wow. uh, you know, West Forth, like things that act people actually care about. But yeah, do they have a white guy rucker league for people growing up in Manhattan or no? There is not a only. I mean, there are white people are allowed to play at the Ruck. I played in a youth tournament there as a young uh, before, not the real thing, but the, it was at the park. All right, because I've heard before from Bill Simmons that you're a stretch four. That's what I've heard. I don't know much more about your game beyond that. Neither does he. Oh, wow. We'll leave it as that. All right, Rafe. So we were talking for a second about NBA, about uh, EA Sports <laughs> Fight Night 05, 06, the one with Hopkins on the cover. You know what I'm talking about. I was unbeatable with Winky Wright because of the speed of that jab. 
All right, that's that's, that's a whole point of that story. That's really, this is really the worst. That's podcast. why he's in the Hall of Fame. We're 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 off to wow. a fantastic. Some start. have said, Rafe, that last week was our best show ever. Right, uh, Grantland ropes, uh, Grantland. I'm sorry, uh, Snapchat ropes cast and CBS Sports in this corner combined, maybe our best show this week. Already our worst show ever. We're up there. We're up there. I got to say. All right. All right. So uh, the point of that is, hey, Winky Wright, in the end, look at the whole career. I'm happy he did get in. He had the Swiss Army Knife style that was really tough to beat, and I'm glad that he did take chances late in his career. I don't take anything away from him for losing to Kid Chocolate at the end or, or moving up two weight classes to fight Bernard. You know, he tried to do some things. He was a guy who the eight ball was always against him financially, promotionally, and he worked around that. I mean, he beat, for, he beat Fernando, Fernando Vargas and he didn't get the win. And he was able to always rebound from those situations and put together some pretty significant wins. I mean, he's in the damn Hall of Fame, so take that, Rafe. Take that, Satchitlada. And by the way, Prime Winky at 54 beats beats Floyd at 54. And you know this, man. Oh, man. I don't What's know, it look man. Like? I don't, I mean, I'm, I, look, I, I understand the intellectual case there. I, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable taking many fighters in this era against, prime versus prime against Floyd. I said 154. That was never prime for Floyd. All right, I don't know. Floyd could go. Could be pushed by by a Cotto at 54, by Oscar at 54, not by Canelo <laughs> at 54. All right. Wow, you're not. You're not. I'm throwing out the bait. You're just not. You're just not taking it. Floyd. 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 This era, man. He's good. He's not. I don't see it. I. I just. I. I have a hard time ever going against that guy. Really, good. really, Rafe? You wouldn't pick? Uh, okay. Qu- well, we quick. did both pick Manny Pacquiao against him we, in 2015, and that was not the best pick. All right, let me but, just let me ask you this then: um, the welterweight Shane Mosley from 2000 that beat Oscar in that classic LA fight, the prime mm-hmm. welterweight Shane Mosley, I think beats prime welterweight Floyd. Your thoughts? Oh, uh. Man, I I still I just I can't go there. I I just can't go there. The guy figures out how to win. He's going to figure out how to win. All right, then let me ask you a question that's going to be hard for me to ask because you know where my fandom lives. I told you last week I was willing to risk it all against Joel Senior to tell him you could have prevented fishnets with one hug. Prime welter Oscar beats prime welter Floyd. And you know this, and I know Eric Raskin is listening. He has old balls. He's from the 90s. He would agree with me, I think. Come on, where are you going with this? Look, I'll, I'll defer to you guys because I was pretty casual back then. I was, I'm, a, I'm a few years younger than you. I'm, I'm, in, compared to you old heads, I'm green to this. I wasn't breaking down the film. I, would, I didn't turn off the lights and watch these fights in the dark with no sound and some classical music and some jazz playing so I could really focus in on the G-jabs and all of that. Wow. So – I don't have the same level of analysis on, on how those prime versus prime 147 against some of these guys who I wasn't paying as close attention to when I was a bit younger. If uh, you guys want to say that, go ahead. It ain't no skin off my back, wow, but you know, a, I'm, uh, I, you know what I do? I give Floyd Mayweather a fair shake and that guy. Why are you defending a- Floyd? This is like third down in Canada. You're ready to punt right away. What's going on right now? I don't know what got into me, man. All right. It's just Ted, all all that TBE hashtag just in my head. Wow, wow. I mean, Mayweather, you on me, dog? Come on, let's give people what they want, bro. I mean, let's do it. Let's what do, do you it. think? Uh, Rafe also getting in the great, the great El Terrible, Eric Morales. Rafe, and right now, as I I'm sitting at my desk in my office in my basement, looking at this this picture frame of five pictures I have that sums up professionally the biggest moments of my career. Do you know what picture number two is? 
something of Eric Morales? Yeah, hey, great timing. It's of you, myself, Eric Raskin, and my campion, Eric Morales, in Las Vegas last September for Triple G Canelo. Do you want to tell the story when, when we when we saw the icon? When we saw the, I mean, he he looked a few. Okay. We were a few sheets to the win. We were borderline ish house, but he looked like he was a few carne asadas to the win. I mean, he was well fed. He was well, you know, and we saw him from a distance, right? And we decided. Yeah, I, I'm happy to tell the story of how the Brian Campbell embarrassed us all in front of Eric Morales. Because look, I'm a journalist, but antics. I'm not a journalist at 11:30 in Las Vegas on a Friday night when I see somebody from like the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Then you're not a journalist. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm cool with chasing Darren Barker around. He's a he's a top bloke, quality bloke. He had no business and- getting up from that body shot against Wash Gill. I mean, come on, this is where we're at here. And and it was a similar kind of emotional vibe when you see Eric Morales. However, Brian, you have a way of coming on with all, especially like that, you come on with all of that BC enthusiasm, which is really why the people love you, but it's also why people like Eric Morales are a little bit freaked out by you. Because you're like, campeon, campeon, chasing around, yelling awful Spanish at Eric Morales. He's answering you in English. He's like, yes, okay, thank you. Let's take a picture. (laughs) And you're like... You're like, huevos, huevos, big huevos, cause he, cause of his balls in the ring, and he's like, thank you, thank you, can I take this picture and go eat this Chinese food? And, so and I try, I kept trying it. to tell him that against Maidana, he had no business competing in that fight, and I kept saying, Maidana huevos, and I was smacking myself in the eye to try to show him in my English to Spanish translation that he fought with one eye against Maidana, and he had big ones, Rafe. I mean, really, you gotta give him credit for that. This is all true, 100%. And, and I, the emotion is, is legit. We all feel it. It's just, you feel, it's hard to marshal up that same level of, of up, ratcheted up to the 10. Ah, Morales! Yeah, I wanted, so the, the, the heartbreaking part of that moment, and maybe I scared him or creeped him out more than I realized, he did not want to like, bow to the throne of his own greatest hits, right? I thought he was going to, like, let us kiss the ring. We'll take a picture. We'll just talk about how much of a of a bitch uh, Barrera is. Like, we could have done all of that. Instead, he was basically like, like, uh, okay, okay. Like, like, can I, you know, like, I didn't, you know, that was a Rocky Juarez when we saw him the year before. was much, That went really well. Was much that went more really well. That was to, awesome. You know, I didn't even have to bring up the Litzel fight with him. We just, you know, we celebrated the good times, you know. But that's the thing about a guy like Eric Morales. Like, of course, you got the Barrera trilogy, all these great moments. My favorite fight is the Maidana one because we were literally like, this guy's going to die. Why is he in the ring on Saturday? And he damn near won that fight. I still scored a draw. Just like Trout did beat Canelo, 114-112, I still score Morales, Maidana, a draw. Uh, to actually give some shine on his career, you got any memories of Morales? Favorite fight, anything? Shoot, for me, I one of actually you want to talk about a fight that, that really made me a serious boxing fan? I would say 2005, the first Pacquiao fight. That was just gearing up to go to the Philippines. I knew I was going to go live there. I'd never been there before. And I knew about Manny, but I didn't really know that much about him. And boom, he's on HBO fighting Eric Morales. And that fight, I mean, was an incredible fight. Uh, you know, Manny hurt him early and then Morales sort of takes over and, and, and outclasses him. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a great performance. Really, 
the I mean it was the last time someone got a real win over Manny until Marquez knocked him out unless you want to talk about Tim Bradley and and that situation which I don't um and that may have been the that last fight made polished... me for real that that fight made me legit it made me certified as a boxing head and that's when I started getting yes. into it seriously looking back and and trying to educate myself a little bit that fight may have been the last unpolished version of Manny right where it was still yeah. like no fear trunks like Paw with the jab and then left hand, left no hand, right left hand. hand, left hand. Yeah, just complete like Manny with the uh, dot with the with the with the tips. You know, just for a second, just to see. I how don't know if he actually tips. had the. His, I think by that point he had abandoned his frosted tips, but we still associated with that era. Walking in with the no fear bandana, the bad center part, just chasing the guy around with his left hand, and that was the fight where Freddie beforehand had said, "Oh, we're gonna debut the right hook. It's good. We're gonna call it Manila Ice," and and yes. Morales just iced him. Well, you know, Morales did that by cutting Pacquiao, and to that point, Pacquiao hadn't really had to deal with that, and he did it by just out outmanning him. And of course, the best part was that twelfth round when he went southpaw with the lead for no reason, just to brawl Manny, and he almost got stopped. And then I wish I had the soundbite of the interview afterwards with Ray Torres translating, where uh, Merchant brought it up, and then Morales was like, "You like that, right?" And and then Merchant, of course, was like, "I love it." And it was like the sloppiest, like most perfect moment of just like man on man fight love. I mean, I'm just it was just dripping like. You know, I just ah man, I just love it. All right, Rafe. Um, so Brian, no, you you got to give me now your little Morales memory. Well, that see, that's the thing. The kids today, when they see Pacquiao had a, a trilogy with Morales, and I think even a lot of boxing fans who maybe came to the game a little bit later only remember Morales getting knocked down right in the third fight and just shaking his head like he wanted no more, right, just getting I mean? washed in those. But fights. that series, that trilogy, was really competitive. That first fight, absolutely incredible. And the second fight, before Manny stopped him late, I thought uh, Morales was leading the first two-thirds of that fight. you know. And, of course, he got blown away in the third. And really give Roach credit, give Manny credit. Maybe give a chemist credit. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there at that weight class. But I will say that by the third fight, Manny was just a different animal. In between, hadn't... Uh, Morales lost, yeah, after the first Pacquiao fight. The, Morales the moved up, lost to the Kings, Zahir Rahim, right? Like, got a little bit, you know, hot in there. And, uh, Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. The all-time great moment there. But back to that Manny Morales fight, part one to close. I always, I don't mean to, like, rip off on high fidelity, but I did this before that. I always keep a top five of everything that I like. You know, top five favorite everything. It's like a working list inside my head. That's how my brain works. I always have my fight, five favorite fights ever. I would say... Pacquiao Morales is consistently right at like six or seven in terms of my favorite fights ever. Part one, I love that fight, Rafe. Love it. Love it, right? Would it fit in your top 37 or do I need to get a slide rule out to properly rank this pound for pound? I would give it maybe in my top 17. No, I mean, I love that. that I just said that's the fight that made me truly fall in love with boxing. So, yes, I love that fight. And, of course, we didn't even really go deep on the whole trilogy with Barrera, which our good friends on the HBO Boxing Podcast just did, actually. Eric Raskin, Kieran Mulvaney. Uh, Kieran Mulvaney for the uh, ESPN Heavy Hitting Boxing Podcast. Uh, (laughs) Wow, uh, he turned into the Irish Filipino there. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, Yeah, so uh, great career, a great man. I'm looking at the picture of him bloated right now with my arm around him, and he does not look comfortable, Rafe. But that's what happens in Las Vegas, right? You get Ishthaus, you see your heroes. By the way, the first time I met Morales in Las Vegas, I was in the the media room ahead of uh, Floyd Maidana 2. And I saw our guy Vic Salazar from the from the boxing voice, and I was like, from boxing scene, I was like, hey Vic, go over to Morales and tell him in Spanish that this gringo 
thinks that you have giant cojones. Just like, and he did it, and Morales gave me that moment that I was looking for the second time around. He shook my hand, he, you know, he let me bow to the ring, he was like, there was just man-on-man respect, sloppy love right there. We just did not get that the second time around, Rafe. And that's what Vegas dreams are made of, you know? I mean, you try for those, you live your, you, some people wait a mo- their whole life for a moment like that, right? I've been waiting my entire this entire podcast to talk about Tyson Fury. We're not oi, there oi, yet. Come We're on, man. Let me yet. go. Shout out to the let Irish me, boys. Let me to out close, the cage, Brian. Showtime's come on. former Showtime play-by-play guy Steve Albert got in the Boxing Hall of Fame. By the way, Rafe, I don't know where he's been. I know he's in the NBA. I don't know where he's so been in Jay boxing. Get in the Hall of Fame. Let's get the last cares? ten years. Steve Albert does not get his due all time. I know, like Lampley's the god, right? You know what I mean. Steve Albert's pretty damn badass, and he had some great calls, you know, Corrales, Castillo, many others, but I was glad to see him get that rub. You don't want anything to do with this. We're too deep into the show. You want to shout out to the Irish crew, shout out to the uh, 80K I, I boys. Do, and, and you know what? Media people, we don't need a Hall of Fame. We ain't that oh, important. Oh, come on. Hey, 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 All right. Jim Gray going in. Uh, you have any problems with Jim Gray going in, or can we just support Jim Gray? No, 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 no problem. No, no, no. I mean, you know, let's keep it very, very, very – uh Dignified here. Let's What's the best moment in Jim no, no. Gray's no, 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 career? No, 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 no. The Tyson interview after the first, second Holyfield fight or the decision with LeBron? Or when Chad oh, Curtis I mean, sent him to Tyson, hell that time? The Tyson interviews are, the, are, are, are his most iconic moments to me. I mean, the, I, I've never gone back and watched the decision again. I, I, you know, I, I only remember that he was involved because people always talk about – they blame half of it on Jim Gray, which is whatever, fine. I don't care. But no, I mean, spinal, all of the classic Tyson interviews are, are really his, his shining I moments. That was our Hall of Fame moment. <laughs> I broke my back. I said I need a backyotomy. Uh, Rafe, let's get into the weekend recap. And of course, we got a shout out to the Irish crew and kick it off with this. Okay, Gypsy Boys. Okay, the Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go. Right here. Take a bunch of like Mike Tyson. All right, uh, Tyson Fury came back, Rafe, at all 6'9 and plenty of stone. And all these weeks I've been telling you, check out the jawline. My guy is back. He's thin. He might be on PEDs. I hope he's on PEDs. He's back. He's the same version of when he was when he took Vlad Soul. And I was wrong, Rafe. He's a chubby dude who clowned against a small cruiserweight that couldn't even have carried Peter McNeely's jockstrap. Uh, I wish we had a uh, our own karaoke version of Surf and Safari right now to just take this guy to hell. What a sloppy waste of time. And I'm a Tyson Fury guy, but he came back. TKO4, Sefer Safari, who wanted no moss and quit on his stool. Your thoughts? It was brutal, and it sort of reminded me of, oh, yeah, for all of the antics, for all of the genuine talent that that a good version of of Tyson Fury has in the ring, this is also probably three quarters of what we usually see from him. Not necessarily, obviously, this was the highest he ever weighed, and he is coming down from probably over 400 pounds. So you wouldn't really expect him to be as slim as he had been when he had, was a real professional fighter three years ago. Uh, so that. Uh, made some sense to me but just this this when he is in against these sort of bad opponents he makes 
terrible, ugly fights. Even when he's not clowning and, and being annoying in the ring, he just isn't that much fun to watch. What was, what is interesting is when he, when he does get at that level, when you see him have to pull that off, uh, the, the, his weird fury mind tricks against somebody like Klitschko and just defuse a great fighter. That is, that's when it becomes interesting. Fury playing, you know, when he doesn't need those tricks, that kind of level of ability, there's nothing to watch against that level. And so there's nothing to watch. Now it's necessary to get him, if he can ever get back to that level, they have to do this again. They basically, Brian, do you think they basically have to treat him almost like he's a prospect again? How how fast can they move him? This is terrible. Promoter Frank Warren has changed his tune. I mean, let's not forget now. It's, uh, It's what, June right now? There was talk of him coming back in April for his first fight. Then Fury was like, forget a tune-up. I'll fight Tony Bellew in April. Good thing they didn't do any of that, Rafe. He was not ready to go 10 rounds. And he even said, I could have beat this guy Safari in one round if I wanted to. And it's like, I know he toyed with him and it made it an awful viewing experience because he wanted to go rounds, but I was even doubting if he could have taken them out. It was just a bad performance. And Frank Warren, after the fact, was now like, we're going to need three to four fights before we're ready for a title fight. I want him back in August on the Carl Frampton undercard when he fights in that soccer stadium in, uh, in, in, uh, where, where does he live? Uh, Belfast? Belfast? And now it's like, I feel like Frank Warren, I've read all the comments afterwards. He's just sort of like, completely hedging on the idea that, like, we're going to fight Joshua and ruin the Joshua Wild fight. No, they're talking about 2019, push it away. Fury still wants Bellew because, look, it's a smaller heavyweight that he feels like he can just out-jab and hug a lot. But I didn't see anything I liked out of this performance except for a couple uppercuts against a guy who had, like, a, you know, 13-inch reach disadvantage and certainly a big height disadvantage. The only thing I liked was when there was that fight in the crowd in round two and Fury spent the whole round trying to watch it while he's just, like, stiff-arming Surf and Safari out of the way. Um, It was a comical performance that really angered you. It felt like a sparring session, like I was ready for Mike Tyson and uh, Corey T-Rex Sanders to come out in a T-shirt and pull out a bad pay-per-view, and uh, it was really worse than that. It was really one of the worst things I've ever seen. They built a damn card around this. It was the main event of a card. People went to see this. At least Tyson McNeely... You saw one round of just like obscene, ridiculous like action, and and McNeely stealing the show, and his corner saving his life, and he got knocked down twice. We got nothing out of here. Like Safari just took the check and ran, you know? Yeah, I I I don't know what was going on with Safari. I I guess you could. I it, it's inexplicable. It was really awful. It was awful before the ending, and I don't I I, I don't know. Why I'm mad about, I know why I'm mad about the ending, but I don't even know if I should be mad about the ending because I wanted it to end as soon as possible <laughs> by any means necessary. So in some ways, maybe we should be thanking Mr. Surf and Safari for just realizing what we all needed to do, which is pull the plug on that piece well, of garbage and get, get on with our day. I never but cheer Brian, for, go, yeah, go let ahead. Let me sorry. ask, yeah, yeah, let's, let, let, let's game this out a little bit. If, if, let's do some, some long-term game theory. Well, then let me with, with, a time with, out right here. I just want to make this one point. I never cheer for head trauma, but I, I thought uh, Surf and Safari deserved to get sent to hell. Like, it should have it ended. You took your paycheck, get knocked out. You let, let somebody sockle you, brother, because I was just so angry watching that. that. You know what that fight had nothing of? No panache, no flair, no show. Waste of money. Exactly. So go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to get that out of there. Right? I had it inside of That's me, a good and point. I, I I had to release it. Because sometimes when you get when you got something in you, you got to get rid of it. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right. Because the first the story of the first four rounds of the fight is basically, oh, Tyson Fury is cheating us of anything that we ever wanted to watch by clowning and having this guy in there who just has no business there in the first place, and then. Safari goes around and he cheats us too of of an ending to the fight that that even looks 
even sellably uh, something you can even explain. You see the way in picks when he was when Tyson Fury was doing curls with Sefer Safari's mid uh, midwife section there. This, his his Grundle. I don't know what was happening there. You know. Dude, uh, but but so let's 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 game this out. Who who would you want to? What kind of heavyweight? opponents would you want to see next for for Tyson Fury because and 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 if you're Frank Warren how how you're talking about taking it slow but probably somewhere in the back of your mind you're also thinking about cashing it out so what is I because if you know the cash say, out is Joshua Wilder that's the cash out that's the well, what if what if but he, he can't fight those guys next and what he could lose next? What and, if I am any second tier heavyweight in the world? If I am Dominic Brazil? If I am? No, 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 no. Uh, no, if, no. What you don't think? You don't think Brazil beats him that yesterday or on Saturday, and that he beat him in the next fight? I, I give it a good chance. Definitely enough. If I'm if I'm those guys, I'm calling it out. They're talking about David Price, maybe now. Price we've seen is pretty washed, and he's okay, so taking that's, a lot that's of shots. The answer because look, what Fury did. Price say washes him. Oh, hold on. First of all, how dare, how dare you? That guy can't take You don't a, think that? That guy, you can, if you blow on Tyson, that guy, he'll Tyson fall Fury over. Tyson Fury doesn't punch. All right, you're, you're, wow, wow. All right, one second here, time out. Fury said, <laughs> I want to fight Wilder and Joshua next year, and they're big heavyweights. I need big heavyweights to prepare. So I was going to say, maybe two fights from now, fight like a Marius walk, right? It was like 6'7", can't really punch. Go the distance with him, look good doing it, whatever. You bring up a great thing, David Price, because it's a trash talker that they can sell there. Price does they have. They had a, they, once upon a time, they were supposed to meet in this sort of when they were both prospects, yes. guys really fancied in the division. Tyson Fury was sending him to hell in really obscene interviews, Very saying obscene. really bad homophobic things yes. that should not be said. Um, and it was going to be a big, a big rivalry match, Liverpool versus Manchester. Uh, and then, he, you know, we we saw what happened to David Price. Tony Thompson came in, and then you know, after after he sent his wife's sending David Price to hell, he had to send his go to he had to send his old lady to hell oh, to celebrate. Uh, wow, um, wow. I wish I forgot about that. Oh yeah, um, Rafe. I will tell you that. How dare you say that? I know David Price can punch, but you think he takes I. Right now, Tyson Fury, right now, with those extra stone around his waist, is going to beat David Price. Come on, dude. I don't think so. Possibly, yeah. So if he, I, it, the other thing we can't really judge is how good he is if he's taking a fight seriously, which he clearly did not do he still on had Saturday. Speed. He just so he didn't... still has some he still has ability and ring smarts and other things. But man, I don't know. I've and and if I were any second tier heavyweight in the world looking for some money and a ch and and a long shot at not even that long of a shot. That's why I'm saying it at getting my name back in there and at least getting, you know, one more big paycheck when I lose to whoever I get after I beat Tyson Fury, I would be calling, I would be dying to get that shot if I were Brazil, if I were They're, But they want to uh, get those Davis Price those are too difficult of fights. I think a guy like Boobs Brazil, that's too difficult of a fight right now. I think you literally need to get, like, Shannon Briggs. Do a main event with him, sell it, because he'll talk trash. Like, you need to fight wash dudes for a while. You can't fight anybody with a pulse. And in this division, like, you're not going to fight a Brian Jennings or even, like, a Manuel Char. Like, you got to get somebody washed. And that's why I picked up on David Price. I know David Price did knock down Povetkin. But, I, look, anyone can knock David Price out. Like Tony Thompson's not a big puncher, right? Like he sent him to hell twice inside of like three rounds. So I, you know, I mean, get call up Chaz Witherspoon, like somebody, like I'm looking at the IBO top 100 heavyweight rankings right now. Just trying to like, uh, wow. That when you get past 50, there's just names that are just like, 
They're not even wash names. These were never. Oh, BJ Flores, number 63. Call it BJ Flores, right? R- Raskin's boy, maybe? Man, BJ Flores is fighting at heavyweight? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Joey wow. Abel, yes. Maybe call up one of those guys. What about, you know what? It would be interesting. We, I believe that uh, the uh, Boston Celtics' Jalen Brown's father is still sometimes active as a heavyweight fighter. Wow. He's about 50 years old, but if they could get big, big, I think his name is Marcellus, they get him out of, out of, out of uh, Atlanta or wherever he's hanging out these days to, uh, to fight Fury. That would be pretty funny. That would be an interesting, just a, another crazy thing to watch. I got a name for you. You ready? Uh. 37 year old Chris Ariola. Might, you know what? I think, I, I think I might, Expect him to win in if, if they fight in August. I think, or whenever the whenever the is it, is it August is the Frampton fight. Yes. So yeah, I might I might take Ariola in there. All right, all right. I I think Fury can turn it on. I think he knew he didn't have to here. I think he was hoping to put together a couple of rounds, and he just looked he looked like a joke, and because of how he fought, and because of the whole whatever, it was bad. So if you're Frank Warren, Brian, and it continues looking bad, but. You, you match him carefully, you get him against guys who aren't going to knock him out, so you can uh, hope for favorable looks on the scorecards if, they're, if, if, if necessary. Say you've done all this, but he's not looking good. How, when do you pull the, when do you cash out? When do you decide, oh, never mind, this isn't going to work out. I'm no, going to need to get this money now. They'll, look, what does he have to do? He has to lose some more weight. Like, they're going to get to the Joshua or Wilder fight. They will. They will get to there, right? I'd like to see him as David Hay. I'd like to finally see that happen. Yeah, I, David Hay. Uh, Hay is washed. That would that would yeah. be that would truly be a washed right. on crime. Um, on, the, on the undercard, me, did you see the Coleman event? By the way, shout out to Showtime for picking that fight up and streaming it. I don't know if you enjoyed the Ray Flores Chris Mannix combo on the uh, in betweens, but uh, shout out to uh, them for doing that. And I don't know if you saw that Coleman event, but uh, Terry Flanagan picked up a hooker, <laughs> and that hooker could punch. It didn't did work out. It didn't work out, man. Wow, he lost a split decision. Maurice Hooker claims the WBO 140 crown. Pretty decent fight. I, I liked it. By the way, I, I was very under-versed and served on Terry Flanagan. I like this dude. He's like a better Jason Litzow. Like, I'm a, a southpaw, too. I like this guy a lot. He's got a good rugged look to him, also. Like, he's, you know, he's got that, like, a, a nice sort of 5 o'clock shadow, shade, you know, like, like stubble going. He's, and, uh, yeah, it looks like a mean mofo. I, I do like that. Um, but he lost. And, and I am very happy that Maurice Hooker gets to move on and he's going to be participating in the 140 pound version of the World Boxing Super Series tournament that's starting up pretty soon. And you know what that means is more outrageous boxing scene headlines just using Maurice Hooker's last name. Like, you know, Hooker ready to take on world. Hooker. I, I never get tired of it. The 12 year old in me is tickled every time, every time I see that Hooker. There it is. There it is. Wow. Uh, all right, Rafe, the big fight of this weekend that we want to break down for sure, of course, was Jeff Horn defending his WBO welterweight championship in Las Vegas against Terrence Crawford, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world coming in, and I certainly think he made that case larger coming out with a ninth-round TKO of Jeff Horn to take the title. We didn't, and He ended up taking his soul, but this was Crawford's statement to the world, and I don't know if you heard Teddy Atlas's very quick breakdown after the fight. Did you? Did you? Did you? I'll just play it for you. Let's hear it. It was a Volkswagen against a Ferrari, and the guy driving the Volkswagen was a bad driver. You know, he, <laughs> he, he it simply said he takes the turns too wide, he crashes into walls. 
He had bugs on the windshield, and, and he lost. I was going to say, there's water in that man's basement, too. I mean, really, Terrence Crawford put on a Teddy masterpiece. He was putting bugs on the windshield with the jab when he needed to. He, those lead lefts were destroying Horn. I don't even know what that uh, translates to in Teddy language, but uh, I guess if, the, if it's a – that's like a giant – bird crap on the windshield uh those lead lefts that he was just pounding Crawford with he was going to the body he was filling up the basement with water uh Uh, he was really doing he was doing he he went to work on that guy and it was it was beautiful well the 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 result was no surprise I am surprised though that Horn wasn't able to be competitive for really more than like five seconds he had a lead right hand in the first round where I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have a little bit of a fight here. Terrence is going to have to well, watch out for that. Well, I, Brian, let, may I ask, why are you surprised at that? What, what, thought, whatever made you, you believed all this, all these stuff coming out of Australia? I mean, I mean look, I respect I like the story, saying, but they ain't that good. I expected Crawford saying, and I respected him saying, look, I'm not Manny. And I get that. I just thought it would take a couple of rounds for Bud to pick up on that Glenn Rushton designed uh, whatever he called. It. He has a name for it, by the way. Did you hear that? The Scorpion style. No, it's well, like that's Glenn this... Rushton's signature fighting yeah. style. I don't know what. Oh, it was the broken rhythm. Broken rhythm. Broken rhythm. Of gr- broken rhythm pressure. I... It sounds like something. My gross. guy has no rhythm, but he uh, manages to land punches. Yeah, it sounds the, uh... like some way to yeah. prepare yourself for things. You know what I'm talking about. It just sounds really gross. But uh, I will say, I-, I thought he would get three to four rounds of competitiveness and then be way too aggressive and get sent to hell. He didn't win. I mean, Rafe, he may have won five seconds of the fight. Like, that was that dominant by Terrence Crawford. And the reactions afterwards were split. You had people like me going, okay, let's, let's talk about Crawford because he might be the best in the world. And then you had people going, dude, I told you all along. Didn't you see the betting odds? Horn's a bum. And he was a bum all along. Where did you sort of fit in in that great divide? Well, you know, and I was going to say, uh, responding to to sort of what you're saying about the early part of the fight, I thought even though Crawford controlled and won pretty much every second of this fight, I was I thought Horn looked okay in the first couple of rounds. He was not getting his ass handed to him. He was quicker than I expected him to be. He was moving well with Crawford and managed to, you know, the, all that herky-jerky back and forth stuff did take a little bit of time for Crawford to figure out in time. And I think also by the third round, when when Crawford started to land more punches and turn it up a little bit, Horn had lost a little of that energy. He was yes. moving, he was coming in and out straight a lot more than he had in the first round where he was just like all over the place and very awkward and kind of hard to catch cleanly. Um, although Crawford did a couple times, but it wasn't, it, it, I, I felt like the fight really turned into a bloodbath um, after the second round. So I kind of thought, Horn showed some ability to compete in the beginning, which was more than I necessarily counted on seeing from him. So I was a little bit impressed by that. Um, his toughness was there. I mean, we've seen other guys that Terrence Crawford has hit clean that many times in recent time, in, in recent fights, uh, have not lasted that long. So, well, so look, Horn one is, thing is a know, legitimate tough guy. We, we already a, knew le- that. Bob Arum already told you. The guy has ball. We knew that, but. He didn't have enough panache in the end. Look, but it, well, but look, the, my take in the end, which I already teased, was it wouldn't have mattered because Bud really is that good, and I don't even want to crap on Jeff at all. You just kind of made the case that he actually did, you know, pretty decent in a one-sided loss. I'm just going to say, once Bud started hitting those clean, accurate shots, Horn stopped throwing. He was still coming forward, but he stopped throwing, and that 
when you could get a guy who's only knows one way, which is this crazy pressure style, which is actually pretty smart. He comes from different angles, does different things, and you can get him to stop, keep coming forward, but not throw punches because he's waiting to be countered. You've completely disarmed him. You've taken the, the bullets out of the chamber. The load watch is over. That was very, very well done. By the way, we know Teddy hates Jeff Horn. Right, remember he told him to his face that Pacquiao beat him. Did you hear Teddy on that uh, on that bootleg Mike and Mike morning show they have with Trey Wingo? Where, please, where they please him, let me hear him right now. Do you believe in flying kangaroos? I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in flying kangaroos. Okay, either do I. No chance. No chance. <laughs> no chance for flying kangaroos. No chance for Jeff Horn from down on the to do this. But he was right. The prediction was right. I think there's a little like he Teddy's weird. He picks up on people that he hates and he hates them for life. Like he's always well, hated Manny because he hates Freddie Roach. Right. He's always hated anyone associated. He hates Vlad Klitschko. I don't know if there's a Freddie Roach connection, but he'll just hate these guys for life. Well, the other thing, Brian, I think, you know, I not to get too inside baseball here, but you could sort of point to the Jeff Horn Pacquiao fight and Teddy's call of it as the beginning of the end for Teddy's. Wow. Sort of a team career on the broadcast team for ESPN. I mean, that was the first thing that got him in trouble a little bit. They felt that he went a little too hard on the, this is a travesty when he was railing against, look, I didn't, I wasn't mad about it, but apparently some folks were. And then that sort of set on this set in emotion, this chain of events that leads to him getting yanked from, from the main analyst seat and, and now doing the rounds on morning shows. Yeah, it's tough to see. But. So that's another reason why he might not love Jeff Horn. I mean, it's part, part of him might be like, if it wasn't for that dumb Australian, <laughs> you know. No um, panache. Uh, so Glenn Rushton, our guy, said it was definitely a premature stoppage and that Pacquiao definitely hits harder. Horn echoed saying, I want to keep fight. So the stoppage, it wasn't perfect, but there was nothing else for us to learn from that fight. Like if you continued, you were only going to get Jeff Horn's face like – looking like it did after Pacquiao, basically. Yeah, the fight was over, so you can't really get mad at the stoppage. Um, but it did. It wasn't a clean stoppage. The even the knockdown was not really that clean. I mean, he was. Yeah, his legs were going because he was almost knocked down several times in the last couple, the last few minutes preceding that. But there was no clean blow that that caused him to fall down. Uh, nor was there. Ma- nor were there many clean blows in that final fury flurry that that caused Robert Byrd to step in and and call the fight off. But still, there was just no point in going on either. So, yeah. and, and he wasn't really competitive in defending himself. I mean, even, even while Crawford wasn't landing a lot in that last flurry, Crawford just looked, uh, Horn looked like he was just about to fall down anyway. So it, I, I think the stoppage was fine. I kind of get it. I bet I could understand if you're over, and let me put on my, uh, my, you know, blue and red multicolored soup 15 logos team Pacquiao shirt right now. Um, and say, if I were, you know, Mr. Tim Pacquiao is over there in Manila or in General Santos city and looking at this fight and thinking we had Jeff Horn walking around like a zombie, basically dead in the ninth round, and we couldn't get a stoppage. I could see why they might be a little frustrated, but this was a fine stoppage. Yeah, I was okay with it. What I was not okay with was after the fight, multiple times, Jeff Horn saying, yeah, I want a rematch. Why don't we do it in Australia? They, By the way, they did interview his wife, Joanna, Joe Horn, afterwards about his thoughts on a rematch is what she said. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, I don't think so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. 
she's right on. I mean, are you kidding me, Jeff? Like, you just lost every second of every round. You prove that there's monster levels to this. Like, that doesn't say that you're not going to come back and fight for a title and lose one day or maybe take a title from somebody internationally who stinks. But really? You're going to say that? Like, you're actually going to say that? Then again... For as much as we, for as much as me, I jump, I, I turned the corner on Horn ahead of this fight, right? Like, I was suddenly Team Horn, like, yes! I love Glenn Rushton, give me that! Horn's, Australia's Rocky! I did have to for, purposely forget that after he beat Manny, do you remember that little skit he did on, on the microphone during the interview when he had like a cane and he was like, hey, Floyd Mayweather, you wanna, you know, you like, it was really, really bad, like, it was just like, really, it was like they are, he is a hustler. Horn is a hustler. I mean, he he seems like this mild mannered teacher, but he certainly has learned how to be opportunistic and good for him. And and I actually I now rematch, get the hell out of here. But shoot, I mean, he's got a little bit of a name now. He's fought in the states. People, four million people saw him fight Pacquiao, so he can get more fights here against decent welterweights. And I don't think he'll win against the good guys. But shoot. He, he comes to fight. He, he makes a pretty fun fight because he, he just runs in there unless you hit him. Um, and if, and if you don't hurt him, then maybe he'll, he'll be a problem for you. So, you know, for example, Horn Adrian Broner, I don't, oh. I mean, that's interesting because oh. he's active. He's going to put that body all over AB. And of course, AB is going to hit him clean a lot, but is he going to do it enough? If I was AB, I'd be like, I want to fight you, not just for your title, but. Let's 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 a decent proposal. This let's get Joe Horn. Let's get Joe on the line. I beat Polly. I left with his belt and his girl. I mean, maybe we could do a little 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 wife swap here if we can figure this out, right? No, that too far. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, Horn. I think I don't know if he's down with Miss Louie bags, but yeah, well, and, yeah. and Joe, you know, I think she would be. Yeah, right, Adrian. Yeah, yeah, right, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Come on, it's come nice on. to dream. It's nice. Um, to dream. All right, the, oh, hold on. we're talking too much Horn, bro. I know. Okay, give that's me, what I was going to say. Give, this, give me a little bit of bud. Give me a bit of little, is, give me a little bit of bud love here. Wow, I don't know if is it legal in the state. I don't know if I can give you that. that, that <laughs> Did somebody of... say funky bud loving? I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't think you can light up here. I don't. I don't know if we can talk to Samson. Um. So here's what I'll tell you though. What we need to talk about is how good is Bud? Because I think now you know the debate was, you know, he's either number two or number three pound for pound. Heck, if you had number one, that's fine. Most people have Loma. Some people still have Triple G, which I just don't understand. But even though this was just Jeff Horn, this was a bigger thing. This was Terrence moving up to 47 and showing that body-wise, it looks like he can put on even more muscle. You know, he did it the right way. He didn't rush. He did it the slow way. He had power. He had speed. He had everything. He might be the best fighter in the world, Rafe. And that's very legitimate, which is crazy because he's on the side of the political line where he hasn't fought any of the big 40s or 47s name-wise still. But... You have to use that Golovkin eye testing. Can you make the case right now that that maybe he is the best fight in the world? I think you can. It's really interesting with Terrence Crawford because I can both. I at the same time in my head, I feel pretty strongly that he doesn't have a very impressive resume due to no fault of his own. He managed to unify an entire division, uh, and and still, I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I still to me. His best win still feels like Gamboa, who was fighting two or three weights above his best weight class and was not. And that was the last I think that was the last great performance. I mean, I don't know. You call it a great performance from Gamboa getting knocked out, but he really fought well. And he emptied the jar. I mean, he did a lot of good stuff in there. Um, And so so he so you can at the same time, I can say Crawford's resume just doesn't do it for me yet. And, and hope that he gets those fights that do do it. 
and then watch him and say, you know what? Even if they were the same, even if they were both naturally in the same weight class, I favored this guy against Lomachenko. Wow. I, I, they're totally different ways, kind of approaches to the sport in that Lomachenko is so much panache, all the, all the, so much skill, almost this transcendent ability. But there's something about Terrence Crawford. I think that guy is just going, he's, he's, he had, he gives off that vibe of someone who's not going to, you cannot beat that man. So, he's got, he's got this, this grit, yeah. this sort of, um, this just next level toughness that, whew, I you mean, made an interesting point you, there. He, he has that next level toughness and I wanted to get to that, but you made an interesting point when you brought up Loma and it got me thinking where, you know, I kind of teased it last week. So I agree with you. I think he actually would beat Loma at any, Weight class, and really the thing is, he might have the perfect style that would be a kryptonite to someone as dynamic as, as Loma because he has three things going for him. Speed, that's somewhat on the same level. Length, that's gonna be a problem. And then pop to make him pay if they were ever to fight in that dream weight class of... 135, weight category. I mean, I, you'd, yeah, I take, I, I take Crawford, and that's saying so much because I think Lomachenko's the best fighter in the world, so this is why this debate is great. This is why, man, it's, it's a, like, we're probably going to get Loma, Mikey Garcia, and it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to learn a lot about everything. It'll be a great lightweight fight. But you almost wish that Bud hung around at 40 a little bit longer and that Loma had come up to 35 a little bit sooner, and then we were able to really just find that out. I mean, it would have been spectacular. But we don't need to find that out to still find out if Crawford is the best in the game. There are money fights at welterweight, but even more than money, Rafe, Legacy, there baby. Are legacy fights. And we haven't had this many legacy fights potential in a long time. We've come up on the horizon of money fights through the years. Like, right, like Oscar Floyd came together and you could see it coming. You're like, oh, man, Manny Floyd. Now, Manny Floyd did start to form when they were both in their prime. But obviously, we had to wait till the end. And it was just a money fight for the most part at the end when they did come together. Now we have legacy fights. Like, we have, like, like Ward Kovalev. It was a legacy yes. fight. In reality, if we can get... Crawford Spence, it's, dude, it's the, it's the. If friggin, they make that, Brian, if they the make that Leonard in the Hearns. next couple of years, and I'm not talking about in terms of star power and money generated, but does that become the biggest welterweight mega fight in terms of what yes. it means to the history of the sport since what? Oscar uh, Tito. Flo not Floyd. Uh, Oscar and uh, Oscar, Oscar and Trinidad. Two undefeated in 1999. Yes, I was going to say. I would say this. It's this generation's Leonard Hearns which was 81, right? Leonard had one loss, Hearn unbeaten, and incredible. And it's on that level with Oscar Tito, which we cannot forget. The, at that time, the pay-per-view numbers that it did, right, 1.35 million, I think it was, something like that, was unheard of for a non-heavyweight. Like, absolutely unheard of. So that, and certainly ability-wise, critical-wise, it was off the charts. I don't think we've had a fight critically. We've had money fights that meant as much. We have not had anything as critical that fight is a dream. I had this argument with my editors just the other day. I'm like, I want that fight more than any other of the entire sport by far. They're like, more than Joshua Wilder? I'm like, damn right more than Joshua Wilder. Because that damn might be right. That might be fun to have the heavyweights back, but no one's trying to say Joshua or Wilder is an all-time great heavyweight. We have a chance right now that Crawford and Spence, and maybe Thurman, probably not, but Crawford and Spence just might be Next what did level. you just do there? Do, did, 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 did you just do? How did that happen? How did Keith Thurman just sneak into that conversation? Well, I did drop a dude. Is he playing him, sweet flute music in your oh, ear? What on. just happened there? No, 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 no. There's just uh, look. We don't know. I could be totally wrong, but I don't care. To me, there's only two. 
And those two are Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. Well, what do you think about what Bob said? Bob said after the fight. And now Bob no, he's doing this. this. Sugar Ray Leonard said, get out of here. He with says that. Crawford is as good or better at this point than Sugar Ray. That's where I have to draw the line. Because, Bob, because you're not making fights with the PBC guys, we don't actually know this. We have to play the eye test game. And just like with Golovkin, the problem with the eye test game is eye test has you blowing away B and B plus guys, but just like Triple G when he fought Canelo and Jacobs, when you fight the A and A plus, that your skills might not be the same, right? And Triple G still won those fights, or should have at least, but they were close fights. We don't know if Crawford's gonna just be, just barely be able to beat a Sean Porter even. We just don't know that, right? We're gonna have to find that out. So and I that's hate what when I Bob ask says- you next, if I can, Brian, if I slide, if I can just slip one in on you here. Um, slip him a Jimmy, as, as Paulie likes to say. Oh, come on. I mean, <laughs> where I come from, Rafe, the J, the I, the M, the M, the Y, yo, it means something completely different, right? Somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy, somebody, <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody, uh, <laughs> was the meat of Mexico. No one owns it. Let me slip a little Jimmy in your ear here, Brian. Oh, that's so disgusting. Uh, now hear this, right? Like, that's so disgusting. Like, come on. Uh, and, who, how, if you could just plot out the next few fights for Terrence Crawford, who do, you, what do you want to see him? How do you want to see him tested at welterweight? I can I would like to see the Sean Porter test. Get, make him yes. solve the Porter yes. problem because Porter is a problem because yes. he's he's gonna be up on you, giving that all up in that ass, uh, as they say, not really hitting you with punches, but hitting you with his body, uh, and sometimes hitting you with punches, and and. You have to figure out some way to deal with that. I think he would, but it's something I want to see. Just like you want to see Danny Garcia against him because... You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. There's certain fighters that do that, so you make a good question. I mean, like the only name I've heard thrown around, by the way, was Jose Benavidez because he's a top-ranked guy. But what I loved about Crawford after the fight in the interview, he said, Bob, let's make these fights, right? And in, and when I interviewed him for this podcast last week and I brought up the PBC guys, he's like, look, I want to fight those PBC guys. i got to beat Horn first. So he's following protocol. He's saying, Bob, make these fights. We don't know if it's actually going to happen, but he went on further and told Arash Markazi of ESPN after the fight, like, I want to fight these guys, but obviously it has to make sense for either PBC to send a welterweight to ESPN or Bob to send me to Showtime. So the fact that they're actually saying that, though, leads you to believe we are getting closer to what we want. Like, maybe, like, our default critical nature is to say, all right, we may get Crawford and Spence one day, but it'll be two and a half years from now and it'll be on pay-per-view. And it'll be No, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Maybe we can get it in a year, and maybe in between he can fight the question you're asking me. What type of Walter Waste do we want to see him against? I just want to see him against anyone credible, right? I'd even take washed names at this point. Now, you can argue and say, hey, Brian, him blowing away Deary John, is that that different than him blowing away Andre Berto, for example? I don't know. Maybe it's not, right? Felix Diaz, is that that different than him blowing away uh Jose Cito. I was going to say that. Jose Cito or Jesse Vargas even. Like, I don't know. But you want to see these fights. You want to see what it looks like. Because Manny don't want that. Manny don't want that. And Manny's washed mm-hmm. anyway. So, yeah. I, I, I want to mm-hmm. see that. Uh, he has to. What's the deadline then? What's the, the deadline de- for, for Spence for Crawford? Anger. No, the deadline for your anger. Where you will start to not turn on Crawford. Because it's not going to be his fault. But not turn on him. But maybe say... I'm not willing to make him number one pound for pound until he actually faces a top five Walter weight by this point. What's that point? Is it, is it May 2019? Is that, if he's not fighting, you know, Danny Garcia in a pay-per-view on May 2019, like what, what's your, what do, you, what do you got for me? Yeah, I would say within, with one year to fight someone on that level. Now I wouldn't, ex- it's not going to be Spence, but I think he should want to get one of those real tests at welterweight by then. 
but within a year or let's, let's be generous by the end of 2019, give them some time to work. Um, that's, that's fine with me. I'm really what I, I, and I don't, I, I'm not of the opinion that the Spence fight has to happen right away. has to happen soon. It almost is the kind of thing, because I really believe in those guys. I think they will, if, if they get the fights, we'll just blast through that division until there's really nobody left, but those two at the top. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, knock off Thurman, Garcia, Porter, all, all those guys who've been sort of circling around the top, uh, the winner of Pacquiao Matisse, whoever, if they want to come back that. and you get some real that. work, um, you know, whatever that that's going to be in the mix. Uh, I wouldn't mind. So, so that's, I don't mind waiting a couple years for, for Spence Crawford, if that is going to be like this imagined like mythical super fight that's, that we're looking forward to. But I do want to see fights that don't have me rolling my eyes, you know, just, just don't play me like that guys. And, and there's enough guys there, there's, I mean, you talk about, Broner, Broner is still out there. Broner is someone who will Ooh, sell yes. Crawford. That's a yes. cash out for, for Al, right? That's a pure cash out for Al. Send him to ESPN Broner pay not, per view. And Broner, Broner has real talent. He's not going to win the fight, of course, but he has real talent. It's, it's a, it's a good name on the resume and he's going to help sell Crawford. Yes. He's going to, and Broner, much credit to Broner. He does not give a F. Because as long as he's touching M's, he does not give a F, right? Wow, you don't know what he's touching. Well, you ain't even touching M yet. I mean, uh, uh, wow, he might be touching. But he'll fight it. He, he might be really touching J.O. Go if, if our indecent proposal match comes off, he might be touching J.O. All right. Um, uh, wow, I don't even know where to go from that. Rafe, by the way, did you pop at all? In a, that's a wrestling term for did you get really happy and excited for when all those celebrities right before uh, Crawford Horn were tweeting like, what channel is this fight on again? And then like these people were like, how is this fight not on TV? Like the people that were just not woke on ESPN Plus, did that get you moving at all or no? Well, it, it reinforces what we've been saying for the last couple of months, which is while I understand why they're trying to build the subscriber base on, on ESPN Plus and the over-the-top streaming thing. I mean, ESPN has to do this because otherwise their business model is just going to fall apart as cable subscribers dwindle. But damn, you had to do it on this. You had to do it. You had to cost – Terrence Crawford, a chance to fight in front of a big TV audience before he's really a superstar? I don't know. I think I, it's not what I would have done. Now, maybe, maybe, and I don't know if ESPN is going to release this kind of information. I doubt they will. Maybe they added 100,000 new subscribers. If they did that, that's probably a success to them, and you can't really blame them. But for me, I, I shoot, I want Terrence Crawford to be seen by as the most possible people. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm with you on that. One thing I didn't like that Teddy said on SportsCenter after the fight. He said that this welterweight class right now is the greatest, deepest money welterweight division he's ever seen since the 80s of Leonard. And I'm like, dude, like, like I, I get the sentiment and I get that you're, that you love the, the ability of Crawford and Spence so much, but you just kind of crapped on that second tier. The second tier is, I like, Garcia, Thurman, and Porter, the second tier, right, of elite welterweight. Well, that's a, but, that's a really strong second tier. But that second tier ain't Benitez, Hearns, and, and, you know, Duran and all that. Hell no. And, not to mention that, Teddy, did you not remember the 90s when that was like an alt, the late 90s, early 2000s run of Oscar, Tito, Pernell Whitaker, Shane Mosley, uh, Vernon Forrest. Are you kidding me? That was an incredible group. I, yeah, I, well, you, you have a better grasp on the recent history going back 15, 20 years than I do. When has welterweight been bad yes. since the eighties? Welterweight is for whatever reason seems to always be the sweet spot for having the most talent consistently in boxing, right? 
I want somebody on SportsCenter to call him out. I think the host was uh, that dude. Who, uh, who? No, no. Everybody knows better than to get. You don't want that smoke from Teddy because he will bring it right back. Only, I'd like to hear another, only only Stephen A can go there with Teddy. Fast food. I mean, you hear? Yeah, it does not make it fast food. Yeah, it's it's what what it does. Does. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He I mean, made him go in there. Listen, and he made him flip cheeseburgers. He made him go. He made him do something. Uh, Rafe, by the way, I found a, uh, a Teddy rant I forgot about. Do you remember after um, Lomachenko, Gary Russell, when the third judge, Lisa Giampa, scored it a draw? Do you remember that? I, I, I'm not familiar with this Teddy greatest Oh, he came on SportsCenter with Todd Grisham. Here it is. That woman judge who had it even, please, please, that's why I'm on fire. Because I started thinking about her. And she's got me smoking mad. Please, somebody take her license away before she hurts somebody. If she drove a car the way she judges, oh, would you take her license away? Yes, you would. So please, take her license away before she really hurts somebody down the road. Thank you. And I get her to make me a sandwich where she belongs. Like that's what we were borderline right there, right? Take her voting. He, to, he he didn't need to. He didn't need to gender it. He didn't need to say that woman. He could have just said that judge. Uh, but Teddy is, is old school. Not. I don't think anyone uh, expects the highest level of wokeness or political correctness <laughs> from Teddy. You kind of you kind of get what you get with Teddy, and that that may help explain why. ESPN is no longer always comfortable having him on a live mic for two hours in the middle of of, wow. of big Saturday night fights. It's unfortunate. I'm 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 pro Teddy, Good. but you never know what you're gonna get. Uh, that's that's and you got to kind of roll with the punches there with him. Is Lisa Jampa the the Julie Letterman to uh, to Chuck Jampa's? Is she a wife uh, or Harold Letterman? Is she a wife or a daughter? I'm not really sure. I don't. Well, well, I would like to take you inside the mind. <laughs> Brian, I'm here to take you inside the mind of a box. Uh, guys, if anyone has never seen the clip of Chuck Jampa in his one Showtime. shot at the show at the Showtime uh, Harold Letterman role, you gotta look it up on you. It's one of the best boxing clips ever. Albert seems like, oh, we're live, we're live. Uh, yeah, we got to. Uh, oh man, it, oh, they should give this reaction. Oh, wow. All right, we done with Crawford. We're deep into the show. I got more things to talk about. You got anything else to say? He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. We got to see him against somebody. We're not worthy. All right. Uh, hey, you know what we were, were worthy of? A fight of the year contender that came out of the Showtime main event. Leo Mares part two. Same result this time around. Same excitement this time around. Damn good fight. Like, they bring it. L.A. is the fight capital of the world. I got to move to the West Coast. I got to be over there in Eagle Rock with you. I mean, are you kidding me? That fight was fan freaking tastic. Leo takes the unanimous decision by scores of 15-13, 16-12, and a wider than I would have liked 17-11. Rafe, I did not score this one live because I was juggling 14 other fights. But I thought Morris had a, had a shot at a draw, maybe a scorecard in his favor. This is a damn good fight. You got anything to say about this? Great fight, and in my best... Bob Aram voice, this guy Mares, he's got balls. Um, he, he fights like a gangster. <laughs> he fights like a gangster from the inner cities. Uh, yes. Um, I he... never screwed so many women <laughs> in one night. 
Um, no, uh, I, look, I, I do, I, I don't, I don't think you can make a great case for Morris nipping that fight. Um, it was close and Morris, I thought really, really showed a lot in late in later in the second, like the last third of the fight around rounds eight and nine, all of a sudden he managed to get, so Morris looked good the first couple of rounds, right? They're exchanging and he's winning the exchanges. He's got maybe a little bit of a hand speed advantage, maybe just a little bit better in those wild exchanges because that's kind of his style. It's always been, he gets in there and, and, and knows how to land shots. He has great hair. In, in between great other hair. guys. Great what? hair, Rafe. Great hair. Great it works hair. as a helmet. It distracts the opponent, yes. and it helps him just get a little bit of an edge. Um, great hair. Lots of gel. Um, Were you down but, with his tattoo on Tatis uh, with his Abner Mares logo? I was not down ah, with man. that. <laughs> I mean, the only tattoo on Tatis has to say B.I.G., yes, man. Yes, you know that. Yes, um, but no, no, no. So, so, But then Leo turned the fight and basically took over the middle rounds with distance, the jab, kind of controlled. He corralled Morris, and, and Morris still got a little bit of work done because he's a very good fighter. But – you know, Leo was taking control. And then in round eight, either maybe maybe he sensed that Santa Cruz was flagging in energy a little bit, or maybe he just bit down and said, F it. I'm I, I gotta get in I gotta get in on this guy. I gotta F and get in on this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean to the god Joe Goosen. Um and he did it. He got inside and really kind of started stealing he's he, i i gave him rounds eight and nine on my unofficial scorecard and those are probably the only rounds i scored so don't i don't, I don't really can't tell you much about the rest of my unofficial scorecard but he got in there and started getting doing some good work getting back in those exchanges and winning them again and then he kept fighting better throughout the rest of the fight but but santa cruz managed in a few of those rounds where they could have gone either way he would always sort of pull out one or two really good clean shots near the ends of the round. Not in a way that he's stealing rounds, but he just came up big when he needed to, enough to win those rounds and to win what looked like a pretty, you know, to me I would have called like a 7-5 or 8-4 decision. But, man, these guys are really good together, even if it is a little bit of a – uh, it's, you know, it's always the same story over and over again. I don't think many boxing fans would complain about watching that story every weekend. I'm hearing you. I'm like, it's episode seven and eight of Star Wars. It's, uh, they were, they were great. They didn't really change the game for me too much, but they were just really entertaining. I want to keep seeing the same movie over again, Rafe. I felt like it with here. Before the scorecards were read, I tweeted, I don't care what these scorecards say. I want to see this a third time. And afterwards, people are like, oh, I've already learned all I need to learn that Leo is a little bit better. I'm just saying that these guys are matched so well in a Israel Vasquez, uh, Marcus's brother type of way that like I just want to see them fighting each other. I don't need a fourth. I don't need a fourth fight like that rivalry had. Remember that forgettable one? But I need like I just need to keep seeing him fight and punch stat numbers. Leo ended up somehow landing more than like a hundred more. So in the end, you go okay, I get it. But a lot of Leo's flurries were just little little touches, little little pe- little peppers. And I thought Mares was landing some big counter shots that at least was making him take a step back once in a while. And look, just a really fun-ass fight. Do you think it, it's got a chance to be fight of the year in the end or it's destined to be like fourth or fifth on the list? For me, it's not really in that conversation. Remember, remember, brother, remember. Let's go back to February. Let's 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 think about some of these great cruiserweight fights. Are you I don't know if I put that above Either of the cruiserweight semifinals, uh, Briadis versus Usyk, 
that gave me I was feel. I was very feel after that, Brian. I'm feel. I'm still feel on Laura Trout. I just rewatched it like three. That was ago. very good too, man. Like, oh, I was all the damn feels, dude. Like I that fight, yes, right. Like, You're not Laura Trout. I'm not. That's not feels. Oh, did about I Lara say Hurt. that? Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. That was when uh, I that knew was what in you Brooklyn. meant though. I was hearing yes. Jimmy, but we didn't quite get the words right. That was that fight where Trout got knocked down. Remember he did a split, and somebody did that meme where they put the guitar in his hands, and he was acting like Jimmy at that time. <laughs> um, so. Anyway, Leo after the fight was like, I want Gary Russell. And I'm like, yeah, damn right. That, that'd be one heck of a unification fight. Cause then, you know, cause I, I also think Leo needs to maybe not be in a brawl every time out. Like this is a sort of style matchup that'd be interesting to see. see. People have been saying this, Brian, and I don't really, I mean, yes, he has had four hard fights against two very good opponents, Abner Maris and Carl Frampton. And he's three and one in those fights. But you look at the rest of his career, he hasn't taken a ton of damage. He's really just mowed down the rest of his competition, which frankly was not, has not been very good outside of those four fights and two opponents. So this, I, I know that he's an, he, he's a come forward fighter and he throws a ton of punches and he's got all this activity, but I don't think of him as a guy who's been in war after war after war. Now, if he keeps fighting at the top of the division, Probably that's what will happen, but I don't think he's near there yet. And if you talk about a guy who has been in war after war, Abner Maris, and look how, I mean, he, man, that guy has not really slowed down at all. Uh, you think about, I mean, he was fighting, he was into that whole tough, like, yeah, he had that round run. robin of, of bantamweight fights with, with Egbeko, with all the nut punches, and Vic Darchinian, when he was still good, got a split the decision over Darchinian, like 2010, like eight years ago, bro. Yeah. And this guy is still fighting rough, nasty fights. Remember the Yanni Man. Perez fight? That was great. The, uh, who was that, that, that fight I really liked too? Oh, Moreno. That was a, that was a good fight too. Antonio Moreno was Moreno. a good one. Yeah. And, and, and the, yo, his fight against Jesus Cuellar, that was a, that was recent. Yeah. And he looked really good, but a tough fight. And, and, ooh, you know, Morris, you really gotta, I mean, he's gotta, this is, what do you, th- I, we were talking about the Hall of Fame earlier and I, and I totally crapped the bed, but now I'm interested in the Hall of Fame. Morris have a case there? I mean, just in terms of big fights, maybe not in terms of accomplishment, but man, he's, he's, given a lot to the sport and it always shows up except yeah, for that I mean, one time johnny johanny johanny had something to say with the left well, hook but by the way the fight before that johanny he sent ponce de leon to hell and that was the first fight that i came around fight. on morris and i'm like i think he's pound for pound i think he's legit because remember that during his bantamweight run there was some people that were like he doesn't have the, the the class he's just a ball puncher he's just a pressure guy he's really been evolved it'd be interesting i mean when you think about how many titles he's won in different divisions he has a chance. Like Leo, for example, told us last week on the podcast that he wants to move to 130 and get a belt there. That then will be titles in four weight classes. And he thinks for him that's sort of like a Hall of Fame lock. And it's interesting. I, again, just Morris, like AB lock, lock uh, it, lock I it know, in. AB. It's this era, man. It's hard because AB. Yeah, titles are so cheap now. Uh, it's hard. I don't know. You'd have to see. You'd have to really scrape through it. I mean, Mara's a fun fighter, made big fights. It and doesn't scream Hall of Fame. Like to be honest, again, when Winky's it's a borderline ended, case. I didn't yell Hall of Fame. I still am that guy making the case that even though Sergio Martinez certainly had Hall of Fame ability, that even his career was short enough where you can make the case against it. You know, I mean, whatever. So let me let me let me ask you something here, Brian. You know, wow, you, you set know that up who... with like a let me let me let me uh, let me let me let me let me ask a little question for your mouth. Uh, oh. <laughs> you know, you do this. I don't know, man. I don't know how we end up here. Um, I was just trying to ask a simple question. Uh, you know who is being promoted by? Tricky Dick Schaefer right now, Swiss Swiss Richie. Yeah, who? What do you got? What do you got? Nonito Donaire coming off a oh. decent loss. 
against to call Abner. Frampton. We never had that we got fight. Abner, we may, and, and. That's marinating still, right? It's still on the, uh. It's still, it, it finally has come around. It's, it's turned into like aged, finally aged. All right, Mexican I got a double beef. header for you. There it is. Huh. Juan Ma oh, are we Gamble. Putting, are we putting Juan Ma, Juan Ma Gamble in the co-main? Yes! Yes! But, okay, but the, the, in fairness to both Nonito and even more so Maris, they're not washed yet. They're not. They're certainly not Gamboa Wanma washed. True, but that's why they're, that's the Colmaine. Pat- you gotta have a washed Colmaine, yeah, right? Come no, on. the wa- I'm, I'm all in on the washed Colmaine. But seriously, and and here's the thing: if they had fought that fight when we all wanted it in 2014 or 2013, I I would have bet my life that Nonito would have sent him to hell, had him doing the Fernando Montiel dented head wiggle on the floor. Oh wow. Wow, that's that is that's a that's a that's the the bottom floor of hell. That's like the yeah. That's hey, I would take as by the way, if we'd make a triple header there, I would take Angulo Kirkland too as the first. <laughs> oh you God. down with that? You down with that? Come one on. of the one of the all time load watch performing. Mean, no one has ever shot a load like Angulo did in the first round of that fight. That wow. was incredible. That's the grossest thing you've ever said. Hey, Rafe, we got to wrap up this weekend because we're two hours into the show. Oh, Jermel, Jermel Charlo. Took a majority decision over Austin Trout to defend his WBC 154 title. Hey, Trout still got it, man. You know, I predicted he'd get knocked out. I thought he was just going to get washed here. He he's still tricky. He can still do. He got dropped twice. One of them was questionable. He was neither. He wasn't hurt on either of the knockdowns. And although that third scorecard of 114 114 felt like a joke, it was a strong win for Charlo. But you still say. He didn't blow him away. Like, are you coming out of here taking anything away from Jermel, or are you just saying our guy Austin's still a threat? No, I think I, I, I always have a lot of respect for Austin Trout. He's smart in the ring. He knows how to fight, and he hasn't slowed down to the point that he can be picked off easily. And he showed that again. And it's impressive. He keeps – it's – it's too bad that, you know, he keeps getting these title fights and losing them, but you know, that's the sport. It's not a, it's, it's an unforgiving sport. You don't often win fights. You're not supposed to win, right? I mean, you, you actually have to beat the man in front of you. Um, and, and in this case, there's a higher level at this division, but he is still right, right beneath it and he will be competitive and make a, an interesting, good, tactical fight worth watching if you like boxing against any good fighter. You see Custer um, so, asked him uh, if he's going to retire afterwards. Brian Custer, who's filling in for Jim Gray, who was at the Hall of Fame, kind of did, uh, you know, a key question, just being like, hey, there's another loss against a top name. You're going to retire? And Charles was like, no, no, I, I, I just showed you. I still got it. I just showed you. I'm, uh, you know, I push all these guys. Well, it's it's he's right, and he's right when he says that. But at the same time, you also look at it and you're like, well, but what is the goal now? I mean, you've we've kind of we we know what the ceiling is. Uh, sure, if you hang around and, and catch the right break in terms of the right belt in the right time against the right opponent, maybe he could pick up a title again. It's not out of the question. I mean, it could could he have could he have beaten Saddam Ali if Saddam Ali had, had yes. still had a belt at 154? Yes. Possibly, yeah. Um, so that that kind of thing does exist. But, but that's the problem. Really, he's going to end up fighting Mungia, right? Like that's where he's going to end up, and, and yeah, he's, and he's going to get probably sent to hell at that point. That, maybe I don't want to see him fight too many big monstrous 154 I want to guys fight anymore. Old guy. I want him to be the B side against old guys. Like if if Cotto said I wanted to come back, I'd want him to fight Trout Cotto too. Like I want him to be in that role where he's only fighting like where Angulo was three years ago. That version of him, I'd have Trout fight him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'd I'd say also I think we're we're sort of seeing that. Maybe beating Miguel Cotto at 154 pounds was not the greatest uh, measuring stick for someone's overall place in the division. Like we, we always 
gave it credit because it's Miguel Cotto. He is a great all-time fighter, but he was never that great at 154 pounds. You just basically came out here and said, and by the way, while we're at it, this gatekeeper Trout kind of overrated because the win that – and by the way, he hasn't had a significant win since Cotto in 2012. That's the dark secret here. He really hasn't beaten anybody since 2012. I mean, except for that one, that that huge win on Brian Campbell's scorecard over Canelo. Well, that's what I was going to say. You can't just say it was a one-fight deal with him. I mean, he did beat Canelo on my card if it wasn't for Texas forever. I mean, come on, Street. Um, all right. Let me ask you. Well, let me real quick, real quick. We we, we got to go a little on Jermel. Do you take a little bit of what? Do you, does he lose some muster? He only loses the muster of like this guy's next level. He just blew out these guys. That's when you have to go, well, it was Charles Hatley and it was a young Erickson Lubin. He's not just going to blow through people, but I still think he's on the verge of the pound for pound discussion. Verge, not in 10, but on the verge. I think you slow down a bit, but you still say again, Trout has given a tough fight to literally every name in this division for a decade, and he just no did one... against the other titleists too, except for Laura. Laura's really the only guy that's like pissed on him, right? Like just like, like destroyed him. Right, and he didn't even get beat up that bad. It's just he got outclassed, which Laura can do. Uh, so my question is, did do you see a potential Jared Hurd Jermel Charlo fight any differently because of this outcome? Do you think that do you favor Hurd if you didn't before? That's interesting. I think you put more points on the side of Hurd in in your percentage of who would beat who. You know what I'm saying? Like when you start to do that, you're like, well, I'm sixty forty on Charlo, whatever. I still am leaning Charlo because I think he has more ways to win. And I, I just it, that's gonna be a great fight. Like fifty four business picking up. We need to see that fight. Both Al Heyman guys, both Showtime make the fight fired the heck up. Want to see it, Rafe? That's it. By the oh, and by the way, Jermel afterwards the in ring interview is fantastic because he's just weird, right? He's just and, like and you got something for me? I that don't, but I was just going to replay the uh, the great sound when he uh, makes those weird, uh, you know, I'm the best. Yeah, you know I'm the best. Yeah. Like, you know, I just love it. You know, like, the guy's the best. Well, you got to mention also, quick brief mention of his lion headdress that he wore into the ring. Yes. Lions only. Great homage to the one and only Sharif Bougare at Lightweight, who's been doing that. He's got the lion thing going the for cage. years. Oh, did you um, see? Oh, one thing to mention after the fight at the press conference, Trout was kind of bragging how he went the distance and how he's gone the distance with both brothers. And Jermel walked out of the press conference and then gave interviews to people like our buddy Mar- Marcos Vegas of Fight Hub afterwards and was like yelling and screaming and, you know, just angry. And what his anger is essentially the fact that, again, he's not headlining and they're not talking about him when they should be. And I think he's got a point. These guys need to start. Hey, Showtime. And by the way, on this, on the more Ronaldo podcast, I don't, I'm not sure if you caught it, but I talked to Steven Espinosa as part of that. In the, at the end of that interview, I said, Hey, Steven, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but can we make the Charlos the stars they deserve to be? Get, you know, like, like, let's give them the ball and let them run with it. It's time that those guys are in the main event every single time out. It's time to touch M's. It's time. All right. It's time to get out of here. Real quick of, of latest news before we break into the week, the, the small weekend preview is Triple G stripped by the IBF for not agreeing to face Sergey Derevchenko, is that how we're going to say it? That works for me. They gave him that deadline. They said, okay, you can fight Vanus, but you got to fight Sergey by August 3rd, or you have to agree to have fought him. Triple G basically was like, F you. No, well, Triple G actually went to a hearing in New Jersey and tried to plead his case. I feel like the IBF kind of turned heel on him. And then they're like, forget it. No, we're taking the belt away from you. Does it matter? I know he wants hashtag all the belts. Does it matter? Well, I, I, it's interesting that the IBF did that because you think that if they just held in there a little bit longer, broke one of their own rules, which is not a big deal in boxing, then they get a pretty nice sanctioning fee or they get a nice, you know, they get a nice percentage of whatever if they actually ever make 
Canelo Triple G too. They get that, that you'd think they'd want to be part of that. Apparently not. Fine. I don't care. And it seems like the, if anything good came of it, uh, it will be that it seems that, that that gave a little bit more wiggle room to this unfortunate negotiation that never ends between Triple G and Canelo because now having to pay that extra fee for the belt is not an issue. Tom Loeffler came out last week and said, okay, well, maybe we can take 45 and give Canelo 55 instead of demanding a 50-50. Now, I mean, we both kind of know that they were going to end up somewhere there anyway. Canelo was never going to give him 50-50 because Canelo is the A-side in this. But if that allows them to save face and 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 say oh it's just because of the belt we're still making the same money if we go with an extra five point five points one way or another fine do it however you want guys make this fight don't do this don't yes. do this incoming call the triple g's phone pick up Oloki, you are next my friend born ready born ready all right hey let's get that fight happening weekend preview time rafe Small amount, a lot of boxing, boxing going on. This weekend? A lot of boxing, none of it really important, but let me start off with the famous, our, our new segment we have, Do You Care, Rafe Bartholomew, Thursday night from Indio, California, your backyard on ESPN, but it'll air next day, tape delay on ESPN Deportes for our Spanish listeners. Do you care about, well, let me, let me get it. Let me say for something. Well, we have a new Manny Pacquiao, and his name is Mercito Gesta. Or, I'm sorry, oh. Mercito Hesta. Which one am I going on yeah, there? Yeah, Mercito Hesta. Ten-round lightweight bout against Roberto Tito Manzanez. Do you care? No, man. Hesta supposed to be an action fighter, a puncher. I've never seen him in a no, fun fight. Yeah. What the? He get, gets a lot know. of HBO dates. Why? He's always on HBO. He always relingers to fight like Linares or to fight like uh, Carlos Molina. Oh, it's like, come dude. on, dude. Were were we both there when he fought uh, Miguel Vasquez in in just one of the uh, like like kill me now Miguel Vasquez wins? That was uh, December 2012 at the MGM Grand. I was not there. What card was that? Do you know? Oh man, unfortunately, I was there. December 2012. That sounds like the end of Manny Pacquiao versus oh, uh, yes. Juan Manuel Marquez. That was that night. Wow, wow. Yeah. All right. No, I don't care about that fight, Golden Boy. Don't. I'm stop it. Just stop that crap. Saturday night, we do care about this one to a certain degree, right? Showtime from Frisco, Texas, from the Dallas Cowboys Training Center. You will see Errol Spence Jr. defend his IBF welterweight title, the second defense, against Carlos Ocampo, the unbeaten Mexican who is his mandatory opponent. Rafe, I'm a professional boxing analyst, and I can tell you nothing about Carlos Ocampo. Your thoughts? I am an amateur boxing analyst, and I also can tell you nothing about Carlos Ocampo. So we're given that high level, that high level P. Performance enhancing audit, PEA. Yes. yes. Uh, no, I, look, I don't know. I, of course I'd like to see Spence. It's kind of cool to have him back to back weeks with Crawford. I don't think the, the, uh, the, the pasting he will give will tell us a whole lot. Probably tells us less about the pasting Jeff Horn got than, than, than uh, this past weekend. But, um, you know, it's Errol Spence. It's appointment viewing. Yeah, of course. Ocampo, by the way, is 22 years old only. He's 22 and 0 with 13 KOs. From Mexico, like I mentioned, has never fought outside of Mexico. And it really makes you question how these rankings work, Rafe, because you look up and down his resume and you're like, I mean, he beat a lot of guys who were like 19 and 5, right? You know, he beat Jorge Paez Jr. I guess that's a good win. Um, he was born ready, Brian. Um, yeah. Rafe, when, when you look up and you're not, you can't even point to one fight where you're like, well, that's a good win, right? He doesn't even have like a, yeah. Why is this why like and, and here's the thing about Showtime. I love Showtime. They're our brothers, right? Why does this have to be a main event? 
Like, I know Spence's appointment viewing, but if he has to fight Ocampo, then here's what you should have done. Make Jermall Charlo the main event, right? And put Spence, Spence and Jermall are camp mates under Brian. And, 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 and you get more Texan pop in that, in that, in that, in that arena. I mean, this is Dallas, you know, Houston all in there. It would have, that would have made more sense. I don't know how they figure this business stuff out all the time. It's also probably good for Jermall to fight in LA in front of a big crowd. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, if they're going to make this the headliner, give us a juicy undercard. Give us something. Like, yeah. you're right. I forgot this fight was happening. And it's Errol Spence, one I, a guy I love. Um, and I just forgot about it because it, it doesn't matter. The only good thing about the timing is that we just saw Crawford. And we're talking suddenly about Spence Crawford. So if Spence blows away Ocampo, you can get his quotes. Would you fight Terrence Crawford? You know, like, uh, that, let's, let's bang that drum. I want to, like, I like to bang, let's bang that drum when it comes to getting that fight made. We, we, got, we gotta bang him a little bit. I mean, we're not banging him. I mean, that's what you gotta do. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, just bang. Alright, Rafe. Spence is gonna win. We all know this. We wanna see how impressive he is. We wanna blah, blah, blah. The co-main, I don't care about this. Tell me if you do. Danny Roman will defend his WBA junior featherweight title against Moises Flores. Your thoughts? Moises Flores, isn't that the guy that did the amazing dive after getting hit late by Guillermo Rigondiao? Oh, don't tell me that's the same guy and now he's in a title fight on Showtime. Please don't tell me that. Is that, is that internet? He's uh 31 from Mexico, and yeah, that's the same guy. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I don't care. He took an, a split decision from Oscar Escandon uh, a couple oh, of years ago. Hey, Javier, Great for him, yeah. In the opener, Javier Fortuna against Adrian Granados, Jr. Welterweights. I don't hate that fight. I'd watch it. That's, good. that's fun. I mean, both of those guys, that will be fun. Fortuna has become kind of a fun action whatever he's got you know got some got some pop in that left hand all right rapid fire do you care to close the show we're way over time are you ready saturday from mexicali mexico on bn sports espanol jose zapata versus carlo diaz in a wba lightweight eliminator no uh, from Hato Ray, Puerto Rico, and it's an integrated sports pay-per-view. Angel you... Acosta versus Carlos Butrego for the WBO Junior Flyweight title. Your thoughts? No, man. I, 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 the only the only flyweight Puerto Ricans I care about are the McJoe and McWilliams Arroyo I bros. I agree with that. Uh, from Gomez Palacio, Mexico, Christian Mijares against Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. Ten rounds of washed lightweights. No? Wow, that is super washed. Uh, Mijares got blown out by... Uh, by Leo a few yes, times. I don't even yeah. know what year that happened. And speaking of washed from Munich, Germany, do you care? Marco Captain Hook against Jakob Slaglam, the cousin of Jakob <laughs> Smirnov, in a 10 or 12 round heavyweight bout. I got a little bit of love for Hook, but I have to think I just got to go with it across the board. No, I do not care Would about any that? of this. I don't even know where you're finding these fights. Would you stream I that? I don't know. All right, from Newcastle, England, Rafe, there's a card that's headlined by Chris George and Josh Kelly for the Commonwealth welterweight title. But on that televised undercard, Rick Sterko, Ricky Burns, is coming back to fight TBA in a 10-round junior welterweight fight. And there was a boxing scene headline today that said Rick Sterko is ready to cut back down to 35 with his Lenny Bowtie-inspired Nazi back tats. Your thoughts? I'm excited about Josh Kelly, man. That guy's a hot little prospect. Pretty boy, Josh. The uh, the British Mayweather or the British Lomachenko? He's the British Lomachenko because we had the Welsh Mayweather who lost his belt a couple weeks ago because he was a joke. But Josh Kelly, fun looking. Like he looks like he's the thing. He is the guy who sent the plasterer from the local council to hell. So you know I got love for Josh Kelly. For the local council. 
And Sunday from Kiev, Ukraine, Rafe, Artem Delakian defends his WBA flyweight title against Serchai Tayan, who could be Filipino. So that's why I wanted to ask you, do you care? I'm going to need to see the name because that pronunciation did not sound like uh, native Tagalog or any other Philippine language. I mean, no, I don't care. All right. Hey, there's another show for you this week. Follow us on the interwebs at Rafe Bugs. Sign up for Respect Box, the weekly news weather, Friday-ish, Friday afternoon-ish, every week. Get your feels. Get your laughs. Enjoy it. B. Campbell's CBS. Add in this corner CBS. Rafe, maybe not our best effort, but hopefully we entertain the people. We warmed it up. We warmed it up. All right. All right. We, we teased the bag a little, right? Yeah, I think I, I feel all right. I, you know, I'm good with it, man. I'm good messy. with it. You got messy work? All right. You got anything else to say? We out. <laughs>